0: Church, I'm glad that you're here. This is week number four of a four part series. Next week, we begin a brand new series. But today, we're wrapping this up, and I just want to kind of catch you up with uh, where we've been uh, just a little bit. As we began looking, uh, we're not going to go to the scripture just yet, but we've been in the book of John, chapter 4, and we've been looking at this one encounter that Jesus had with this one specific lady. And uh, we began this series by talking about how Jesus actually began to change things that were happening in their culture and began to do things differently with the purpose of making a connection with people. And so we basically told you this, that Jesus changed up the way their culture was interacting. The Jewish people had nothing to do with the Samaritans. They didn't like the Samaritans. Uh, they kept them at a distance, and they kept the, them away. And, and Jesus was like, "I'm not going to have anything to do with that." He said, "I'm going to be all up in my creation." He said, "I love these people, and I'm going to accept them. I love them; they're 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 mine." And so he just broke all of these rules that they had established. They weren't. They weren't laws. They just, this is how their cultures interacted. And they said, we're not going to have anything to do with these people. And Jesus said, I am. And he made some massive changes. And I love that. And we even talked about this, how Jesus made an enormous change just because God, we, the Bible teaches us that Jesus is God, completely God, 100% God. And he put on this flesh of man and came here as a human, as, as man. 100% man, and at the same time, 100% God. And that's a huge change. Because the limitless God put on the skin and the flesh and the bones of his creation, man, and became limited. That's an enormous change that he made. And he did that for you, and he did that for me. And so here's Jesus saying, I'm going to make some changes and I'm the way the culture has been interacting anyway. And he said, I'm going to do things differently because these are my people and I love them and I accept them. And that's how we began this whole thing. And then we talked about how when we do come, this lady came face to face with Jesus and he said this, I am the Messiah. And any time someone says... I am the Messiah. We have to deal with that statement. We can't just say, oh, Jesus was a good teacher. He was a good man. He, we can't say Jesus was a prophet. We can't say um, Jesus was just a great leader. Because Jesus said, I'm the Messiah. We have to deal with that. E- because people don't walk around claiming to be the Messiah. And then you can just say, well, he was just a good teacher. No, because good teachers don't claim to be the Messiah. You know what I'm saying? So we have to deal with that. We have to say, what are we going to do with that statement? And the question is this, either Jesus really is who he says that he is. He is the Messiah. He is God's son. He is God. Or this guy is completely a lunatic and we should run away from him. Those are really the choices we have. And this woman made a decision and she ran away from him, but she believed him. She ran away in excitement, telling other people around, listen, I think I found the Messiah. And so we have to deal with that. And here's what we said in our lives. When we deal with this topic, Jesus, are you who you say you are? Are you really the Messiah? If we say yes to that, then that leads us to a response, and we're going to call that response worship. And it's not what we do when we gather in this room, although this is part of what we would call a corporate worship experience. But true worship really is every single decision that you make and everything you say and everything you do, everything that your mind dwells on, that's really what worship is. And so we're either worshiping ourselves or things around us or we are worshiping God. We're worshiping Jesus. With every decision that we make, everything that we do. And here's what we said about this this we said and, and we told you as we began, I said, you know, those are all those things we've talked about are very, 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 very important to us at Stuttgart Harvest Church. In fact, each one of those is a core value. We have a core value of change. We say we're going to constantly be changing and doing things differently, not because we just want to change and not because we want to irritate you. We're doing it because we desire to do things better and better and better. And we desire, sometimes we stop even things that are good and working well and we just stop them and do something different. Why? Because we constantly want to be more effective as best we can. And we want to change for the future generation so that what we're doing today, listen, we cannot be doing the same thing we're doing today. We cannot be doing it the same way in two years. Why? Because in two years, your grandchildren are going to be moving into this room, or your children, and we have to make sure that we are relevant for their generation. So we're going to constantly be changing. And we also said that acceptance for us is very, very important at St. Harvest Church. In fact, as change is, so is acceptance, one of our core values. And so is Worship. It is so important to us at Stuttgart Harvest Church that worship is one of our core values. And we say this, every single thing that you do and you say and the the thoughts that you dwell on, that is all worship. And it's important to us at Stuttgart Harvest Church to teach you, to teach ourselves, to teach each other that worship is how we live our lives. And then we said last week, Jesus having this conversation, the woman runs off and his disciples come back, and now he has a conversation with his disciples. And he's basically telling them, listen guys, you have to get out of your comfort zone and you have to begin serving the people around you. And so Jesus has this pep talk with the guys while the woman after, as the woman has left and and he says, listen, and for us at Sugar Harvest Church, listen, that's another core value. of Serving is so important to us. We say this, that we don't get better and then serve. In other words, we don't get our lives together. We don't get everything right and, and then begin serving. That's not the order that we do things here because it's not the order that Jesus used. Basically, we, get, we don't get better so that we can serve. We serve to get better. So so often we just have that backwards. So let's just assume this morning that all of those things that we've talked about, change and acceptance and worship and serving, let's just assume that we have those things down and we are doing those things. And my question would be, would that be enough to just really compel us forward in our lives spiritually in this journey that we're on? would that be enough? And my answer to that would probably be this, no, not even, if we were, if we had all of those things nailed and we were doing those things consistently and effectively, there's still something missing in our journey. Something's still missing. A major thing that we need to include as part of this But you know, it happens all over the United States, especially the United States, and especially the South. Every Sunday, people gather, and they're doing those things that we've just talked about, except serving. A lot of people don't serve, but they certainly gather to worship. But let's just go ahead and throw serving in there. Let's just assume that they're serving. And they're doing all these things. There's all over the United States, and especially all over the South, right now this morning, people are beginning to gather, and they're doing those things right there. But there's still, in so many cases, something missing because they're not experiencing a deep, long-lasting life change. And the question I would say is why? We have this tendency to live our lives. We live our lives at work on Monday through Friday. We live our lives at home in the evenings all, all week long, every day of the week. And then we attend church. Many of us attend church then. You're here this morning. We attend church on Sundays. So then why is that not enough to make the long-lasting, deep life change happen? That's a great question. We have this ability to keep these complex things in our life and to keep them compartmentalized. So we have our work life, we have our home life, we have then our church life. And for some reason, we can blend everything together except the church life, which we leave over here. This is my church, this is my Sunday morning, this is my church life, but then all of these other things, this is my real life where I really live and what really happens. And so we kind of keep the chart, the church thing at an arm's length, just a slight distance from us. In fact, so often, we talk to you every single week as we're in here in this room, we talk to you about next steps. In fact, we're going to talk about a next step later when we hit the end of this time together this morning. We'll talk about next steps. We do that every single week. But there is such an enormous potential that even if you choose to take a next step this morning, which we tell you this, every single one of us have some kind of next step we should take. And let's assume this morning that you do take a next step, but most of us will take a next step and then there's no one else in our life that knows anything about any commitment or any next step that we've chosen other than what you've let us know on the connection card, but there's no one that you're having a conversation with. Everybody in Stuttgart knows your business, right? Or at least they do mine. But they don't really know what's happening in your spiritual journey. They know what's happening in your life because someone has told them, probably not you, they know what's going on in your life. They know what's going on in your family. They know who you're dating, who you're seeing. They know what's happening, but they don't know you, and they don't know what's happening in your spiritual journey. And we seem to be okay with that. And not just okay with it, maybe we're just accustomed to it, right? Hmm. A lot of times, nobody knows about our spiritual journey just because we have not let anybody inside our spiritual journey. We have kept them at an arm's length. It's just our tendency. It's kind of the way we grew up. It's kind of the way we were raised. And so now we're going to jump into this passage. We're going to pick it up where we left off last week. The woman had left. She ran off. And then Jesus has this conversation with the disciples. And now we kind of pick it back up with this woman and and what's happening with her. Verse 39 of chapter 4 in John. It says, Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, she ran off into the town and she said this, He told me everything, everything I ever did. Now this shocks me just a little bit because here Jesus did tell her, hey, He was like, listen, hey, go grab, your, go grab your husband and we'll finish this talk. He's setting her up because He knew what was happening. And she's like, oh, you're, um, Jesus, I, I don't have a husband. And he, and he says, you are so right. You don't. He said, you have had five, five husbands. She's nearing the Arkansas limit. I think it's seven. She's had five husbands, and he said, and the, the man you're with now that you're living with, he's not your husband. And so Jesus knew all of this information about her, and she, which for her had been a very shameful thing. But now she goes running back into the village, into the community, and she's telling everybody, he knows everything, and she sounds happy about it. She sounds excited about it. He knows everything. She immediately goes back to where she lives, where she spends her life, the people she's around, she goes there. There seems to be a mysterious, godly power that we find when we share our spiritual journey with other people now in this scenario she runs back to the whole village but there's something about sharing your spiritual journey with even just a handful of people there's some kind of mysterious spiritual happening that goes on in your life and around your life when you begin sharing your spiritual journey with a handful of people Here's what, verse 40, here's what she says. Here's what happened. She said, he knows everything. He knows everything. She sounds happy about it. And then verse 40, when they came out to see him, they were coming out. It is inside of this community that we begin to develop a handful of people that you begin to let inside your spiritual journey to allow them to know some of the details of your spiritual life that you may not be telling everyone but there's a handful of people that you may begin to tell your journey to share your journey tell some of the stories some of the the anecdotes some of the things related to your journey Something happens when other people see Jesus doing something inside of your life. Something begins to happen. It does not matter how new you may be to following Christ. In fact, at Stuttgart Harvest Church, when you look around, most of the people that you look around are new to following Jesus. So if you're new this morning, you are in a great place. You are not singled out. Most of us at Stuttgart Harvest Church are new at following Jesus. Now, listen to this. doesn't matter how new you are, but if you're allowing Jesus to begin this process of changing and molding and shaping and rearranging your life, when you begin to share that with a handful of people, God begins to do some amazing things. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. When they came, because of what they saw already in the life of this woman, and she just had an, an encounter with Jesus, just had it, and they already saw something different, something that made them want to come out and see Jesus for themselves. And when they did, they begged him to stay. Stay in our community. Stay with us at Stuttgart Harvest Church, I want you to know our goal in life at this church is for you and other people around you to get to the point where you are pleading, begging Jesus to just meet with you. Just stay with me a little bit longer. Just stay with me. I desire you to do something in me, and I know it has to come from you. And we're begging Jesus, just live with me. Just stay with me. Just be around me. Will you please begin to change me? And that's exactly what happened here. And in our church, listen to me. You have a part that you can play in this. You have a part to play. When you begin living your life in community with a handful of other people, it doesn't have to be everyone. Even just a handful of people, if you will begin living your life openly with a handful of people, a handful of people who know the spiritual journey you're on. They know the spiritual decisions that you're making. They know the things that are harming you and hurting you spiritually. A handful of people. When you do that, God begins to do something in a spiritual and supernatural way in the lives of those handful. It's amazing. How God takes a small community of believers, and when they begin sharing their lives with the people around them, and you begin sharing yours, God begins to do something in those lives, and He does something in yours at the same time. You have a part to play. We believe at Stuttgart Harvest Church that community, this handful of believers, this community of believers, it creates the best environment for God to begin long-lasting, far-reaching, deep life change inside of you. Because we were not meant to live this life alone, and we were not meant to take our spiritual life and separate it from the rest of our life that we live with others. We were not meant to take that and separate it and say, here is my Monday through Saturday and this is my Sunday. We were meant to live life together. In fact, this is so important to us that this is another of our core values at Stuttgart Harvest Church. It's community. And we say it's experiencing life in unity as we grow. That's what community is. And we say that deep, lasting life change happens as we learn to do life together. And in fact, this really is what the Bible says. It's what the Bible teaches it's even what Jesus says. Listen to verse, uh, John chapter 17, verse 21. This is Jesus praying, and He's praying for you, and He's praying for me. Listen to what He says. I pray they will be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so that the world will believe that you sent me. Jesus is saying, I pray that they will be unified, a community. And I just want to say just one passing word. I didn't plan this right. I just want to say it, though. To be a community of believers, it requires unity. And this is so important to us that there are times in the life of Stuttgart Harvest Church that if someone moves into this church and they begin causing problems inside of the church, they begin make creating disunity inside of the church, they will hear from me if they haven't already heard from you because if you're part of this church we expect our church to hold each other accountable and if someone is causing a problem our church has the right and and we ask them to respond to that because that's not okay And if I catch wind of it, and it's not been responded to, I'm going to respond. And in fact, if someone is in the church causing disunity and disharmony and problems, that person will be escorted out. Because we cannot have a community where there is no unity. This is so important to us that it's a core value. And and listen to what what Paul says in Romans in chapter 1, verse 12. Paul is saying this to the believers in Rome. He says, listen, guys, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith. But I also want to be encouraged by yours. Paul says this is community. This is what this life is about. We don't live it isolated and apart and just say, here's my Sunday, and I'm going to go do my Sunday thing. He says, we do this life together. And when we get together, I want to encourage you, and I want to be encouraged by your story and your journey as well. And God really does that. When we find a handful of people that we can encourage and they encourage us and we are sharing our spiritual journey and they know what we're hurting from and they know what we're struggling with, just a handful, not everybody, just a handful, then God does something amazing in that group, in that community, and he begins to change their lives, he begins to change your life because we are living this spiritual journey together. So here, these people begged Jesus. They said, please stay with us. They begged him, stay a little bit longer. And the Bible says, so he did. He stayed for two more days. At the end of verse 40, it says he stayed for two more days. That's all they got. Two more days. And they begged him. They begged him, and he got, they got two more days. But listen to what it says in verse 41. And that was long enough for many more to hear his message and believed. That was enough. They got two days. Two days. But the disciple John, as he's writing this under the influence of the Holy Spirit, he said, But that was enough. Many more believed. They were living their life. An example in this one single community of what God can do when people live their lives spiritually in the open. And many more lives were changed. They were staying together. They were hanging out together. They were sharing. They were talking. Jesus was teaching. They lived life for two more days. They lived life together for two more days because Jesus was not going to be with them forever. And in your life and in my life, this, is, this amazes me. Because no longer is Jesus just around us. But Jesus said, I am leaving so that I can move into your life. Do you know how Jesus moves into your life? When you decide to become a Christ follower... When you decide to believe, I have to deal with the statement that Jesus said, I am the Messiah. And if you choose to say, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. That he came here as Messiah so he could die on the cross. And three days later, as he is in the tomb, stone cold dead... Three days later, he walks out alive with his heart beating again. I believe that. And if you choose to believe that and say, because I believe that, I then am demanded a response. And my response is, I will follow you, Jesus. You decide to follow Jesus. The Bible teaches us that he then moves into your life. Do you know how he moves in? He tells us, he said, I'm I'm going away so that I can send my spirit to you. And God's very Spirit, we call Him the Holy Spirit. Some churches call Him the Holy Ghost. I don't care how you refer to Him. God's Spirit moves inside of your life. And now, we don't have to beg Jesus to stay for two more days. When you become a follower of Jesus, His Spirit, God's Spirit moves into your life and he's there and as you begin living your spiritual life that happens inside of you, in your soul, that very part of you that's looking through your eyes right now, God's Spirit is in there, and you are having a relationship with Him. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're having a relationship, and that's all on the inside. But as you begin to let a few other believers in on that, and they begin, you begin to let them know what you struggle with, where your hurts are, where your joys are, and your happiness, where your pain is... And and what you're facing in your journey as you walk with Jesus, as you walk with God's spirit, as you begin to do that, then God is at work changing and rearranging, doing exactly what he did here. But now he's doing it from the inside out. If you will share your journey with a handful of people. Verse 41, it says, so he stayed for two more days long enough for many more, many more to hear his message and believe. Community. Living in community with a handful of people. Let me tell you what we believe community is. It's something really hard to define. So let me just describe it for you. Hanging out with friends. Talking about Jesus. Talking about Scripture. Talking about life. That grows community. But we have a tendency to just simply hang out with friends. But if we will just broaden our experience, if we will just simply do this, hang out with friends, talk about Jesus, Scripture, and life, that grows community. And that's our bottom line today. We're challenging you to hang out with friends. Talk about Scripture, Jesus, and life. That grows community. When you choose to hang out with Jesus Christ, people around you are watching. They're listening. They're learning. Listen to verse 42. Then they said to the woman who, who introduced them to this whole thing. Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because of what we heard from him ourselves. Now, that sounds like they're dismissing the woman. But they're not, because she's the one that got it all started. But here's how this works today. Now that God moves into your life as the Spirit, He moves in, here's how it works. Jesus was there with there physically, and they came out to meet Jesus. And This is how it works in your community now. If you will develop this with a handful of people, those people are coming out, and they're coming to meet Jesus because of what they're seeing and beginning to see in your life. As you begin to share your life journey with a handful of people. And they will begin to believe. Not because of what they see in you. But that was a part of it. They begin to believe because of what they saw in you. They then get to meet Jesus for themselves. And then indeed they will know. That Jesus is the savior of the world. The Messiah. And they'll know it for themselves. Listen to verse 43. At the end of the two days. Jesus went on to Galilee. He left. Why, why did he leave? Why didn't he just stay there? Because they had something good going. Didn't they? Why did he leave? Well. Well. Quite simply, he had to do this at a few more places on his way to the cross. For that three years of the public ministry of Jesus, he was on a long three-year journey to the cross. And on the way, he was developing this very thing as he went. Everywhere he went, he was developing small communities of believers on his way to the cross. He was multiplying disciples on His way to the cross. He was multiplying those who were serving, like we talked about last week, on the way to the cross. He was multiplying these community-believing groups on His way to the cross. And eventually, after the cross, then they would begin multiplying churches. And I just have to say it, That this is our last core value. Multiplication. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. He multiplied believers. He multiplied servants. He multiplied community groups. He multiplied churches. Multiplication. Because the church is not here for us. We, the church, you, the church, are here for the world around you. And we just simply want to do our best to do what Jesus did. And in order to do it, we have to focus. We told you in week number one, we don't try to do everything as a church. We just try to do a few things as best we can and get a little bit better at it as we go every year. And that's what we do. What we have talked about this week and the previous three weeks, that's all we do as a church. That's it. And we need you so we can do it better, more effectively. And we need you. So that we can bring this life that we're living. This spiritual life where it's on the inside. You having a conversation with Jesus. And we want you to have those conversations. And we need you to have those conversations. And we want you to be the place in your life where you will beg Jesus to change you. To stay with you. To live with you. We want that in your life. But then you must share that with a handful of people around you who know that you choose you let them know what's happening in your journey and they know your weaknesses and they know when you mess up they know how you mess up and they share the same thing with you and in that course as you are hanging out together talking about scripture talking about Jesus talking about life God does amazing things In your lives. When you live your life like that. So as you would probably imagine. We just simply have one next step today. Here's our bottom line. Hanging out with friends. Talking about Jesus. Scripture and life. That grows community. And our next step this morning is simple. Just one next step. We're challenging. Encouraging. Urging you. To be in a small group this week. They begin this week, and with the little brochure that you were given, would you just simply sign up and be a part of a small group and begin the process? And with that small group, you're not going to show up, and they're not going to ask you all your weaknesses and how you failed and where you're sorry and where you're lousy. That doesn't happen in our small groups. But our hope is through the course of being involved, always continually, always being a part of a small group. Every time we offer small groups, we want you to be in a small group of some sort. But our hope is that through the course of being involved in these small groups, you will locate one, two, three, four, maybe five people that you begin to relate with on a very personal level. And they begin to know the junk in your life because you begin to share life with them. And you know the junk in their life. Not everybody, just a handful. And it's through the small groups that we hope that we can begin to develop, help you develop that kind of community. So this morning we're just very simply saying, as a next step today, Make sure you're signed up for a group. They start this week and they'll last about nine weeks. Sign up for a group this morning. Let me pray for you. God, you tell us in your word that it is in Christ. It is is in your son, Jesus, that we find out who we are and what we are living for. God, your word tells us in that same passage that long before we first heard of Christ and we got our hopes up that he, Jesus, had his eye on us, that Jesus had his designs for us, a design for a glorious life, and God, it was part of an overall purpose Him working in us and it coming out of our life. God, we need this. We need you. If we're going to live this life in unity and in community, we need your help because we've kept people at a distance for so long. We've kept our spiritual lives separated and hidden away just between you and us. But God, you've challenged us to live in community with believers around us. And we need your help to do it. And God is a small part of that if you would just use our small group experiences to help us become familiar with being around other believers and beginning to share, beginning to to open up, beginning to live our lives in public so that what's happening inside, we begin to let people know on the outside. And we need your help to do it. In the name of Jesus, the Messiah, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.